Genesis 27, and we're actually going to go through the whole of Genesis 27. Starting with verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a, cur- bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went, and took them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's e- brother Esau's hands. So he blessed them. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed is everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and when Jacob had scarcely gone out from, scarcely, gone out from the presence of Isaac, his, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I've blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. 
As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, oh my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away from your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered uh, and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And, and we, we know elsewhere in your word that you say, if we commit our way to you and if we trust you, then you will act. Um, but God, we don't even know what that means. We don't even know what it means to commit our way to you, to, um, to really and truly trust you. So would you help us to do that so that you may act, so that you may show up in your word and, and do the, the surgery on our hearts and break down the hardness of our hearts and really just save us again this morning. It's all the work that you have to do and we pray that you would do it by your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Uh, middle school for me was the toughest three years of my life. Um, seventh and eighth grade, wasn't really two years. Uh, but so why it was tough for me because everyone was out for blood as far as what was cool. Um, and then you also had like kids just sprouting up like beanstalks everywhere and uh, girls were really mean all of a sudden. And, um, and guys, they just had these really deep voices out of nowhere. Um, so you never knew who your friends were anymore. Uh, but so what happened was how it was in, in Terrell Middle School. Um, it was a, you had the cool kids who wore Abercrombie and Fitch shirts. And then you had just kind of everybody else. And so everybody wanted to be the cool kids. Everybody wanted to wear the Abercrombie and Fitch shirts. Um, so what I did was I convinced my mom to take me to the Townies Mall um, so that we could go to Abercrombie and Fitch. And uh, we put on our gas masks and we headed in. Um, but so I, I just went around and I grabbed a few of them that I liked, the ones that said like Abercrombie so that you knew like that I was really cool. Um, but then we get to the cashier, the, the checkout station and, and the, uh, the lady says, all right, yeah, this shirt's 70 bucks, this shirt's 80 bucks. I'm like, uh-huh. Whoa, what? <laughs> I cannot do that. Uh, so my mom didn't let me get those shirts. 
Um, but I still wanted them because I wanted to be cool. Uh, but we also had like things like a mortgage to pay for and stuff like that. So uh, one day, my mom actually surprised me with an Abercrombie shirt, and I was so excited. Um, I think it was actually a girl's shirt. Like we got it from a, it was a hand-me-down. Uh, it was a little short, like the, it came right to my belt line. <laughs> Um, so I couldn't do any like high fives or anything. I'd show my belly button. Um, but I had my Abercrombie shirt. It was also yellow. It's not really my color. It kind of washes me out a little bit. But, um, but in one instant, all the ladies wanted to be my girlfriend. All the fellas wanted to be my friend. It was amazing. Until after I wore it a few more times and washed it and dried it, um, it started to shrink. And then, of course, I'm in middle school, so I started to grow a little bit. Um, so you really could see my belly button. Like you could almost see the two chest hairs that I'd form, like finally grown. Um, so I had to retire the shirt and I fell back into middle school obscurity. Uh, but it was really nice just being on top of the world for a few weeks with my one Abercrombie shirt that I wore pretty much every day. Uh, but really all I wanted was just a little bit of approval. Like I just wanted, uh, like just like Jacob, I felt like I had to dress up like somebody else. Um, but I had it. I couldn't be myself, but I had it. Uh, but here's the truth. We all long for approval. You and I, we all long for approval. We all long to be loved. We just want to be loved. Uh, and I think if we all had the same definition, like if we could all just collectively talk about it, I think that we would say the word, uh, that we want to be blessed. Like ultimately, deep down, you and I want to be blessed. Uh, compiled from all of the different references in the Bible, uh, the word blessed means the happy state of those who find purpose and fulfillment in God. The happy state of those who find purpose and fulfillment in God. Every single one of us lives our lives according to how we think we might be blessed. Everything we do in our lives shows that we're searching for that approval, for that love, for that blessing. Maybe we long to be the cool kid at school, so we want to wear the, the Abercrombie shirts. Maybe... Uh, we long to be blessed in our jobs. So we work more overtime, we work longer, we spend less time with our families uh, because if we get that promotion or that raise, then we will be blessed. Maybe uh, it's that we long to be blessed in our relationships. So we look at people uh, with an eye of like objectiveness and we're like, you know what? If I had that woman as my wife, then I'd be blessed. If I had that man as my husband, then I'd be blessed. Or maybe if you're single, same way but there are three issues with this kind of thinking. The first is we throw around the word blessing so much we don't even know what it means. And since we don't know what it means, we don't know how much we need it. And since we don't know how much we need it, we flirt with disastrous sin um, and we end up without it. But God in Genesis 27 is here to help. Uh, what we're gonna see from Genesis 27 is uh, three things. What a blessing is, the need for the blessing and the way to the blessing. What a blessing is, just defining it, help, helping us to see what it actually is. Uh, the need for the blessing, how much we truly and actually do need it. And then three, the way to the blessing. Uh, because we see just from, tw from 27, a bunch of ways how not to get it. So uh, let's look at the first one, what a blessing is. And we must ask the question, since it's so prevalent over uh, the text, like they talked about it back and forth, uh, and then not even just in this passage in Genesis in, in the whole Bible total, uh, what's a blessing? Because you can say a blessing, you can be a blessing, somebody can bless you. Um, you can also, like when people sneeze, what do you say? Bless you. Um, 
And then like down here in the South, we say things like, bless her heart. Um, and I, I really don't think that's a blessing. <laughs> uh, just personally, every time I hear that, it doesn't feel like one. Um, but so here are just some verses that have uh, this word blessed or blessing in them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Like notice, there is no hint of material prosperity, anything like that. Like quite, con- quite contrarily, uh, blessing is typically connected with poverty and suffering. So what's a blessing then? Scripture shows that a blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. A blessing is anything that God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. Anything that draws us closer to Jesus. Anything that helps us relinquish the temporal and hold on more tightly to the eternal. And often it's the struggles, the trials, the aching, the disappointments, the unfulfilled longings. All of those things, they best enable us to do that. The blessed life, if we're going to call it that, is the one of fulfillment in God despite anything else happening. So, when it comes time for Isaac to give this blessing to one of his sons, to pass on the family heritage, he does so with this in mind. It's a huge thing. It's not just a small sneeze, I uh, bless you. Uh, Like, this is a huge thing. So, uh, he's going to be passing on the call from God on his dad's life, on his life. And it's it's the call to three things. Uh, The first is land, a call to descendants, and a call to bless. A call to land, a call to descendants, and a call to bless. We'll walk through those a little bit more later. But um, all of these together make up that fulfilled life. They make up the blessed life. Uh, If you look at verse 28. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth. So right there we see land. There's land, the dwelling place. and And it is the choicest land. Like think Garden of Eden when you read those. Um, And then he keeps going, and plenty of grain and wine, which obviously has to do with land uh, still, but also with descendants. Because uh, what do people do when they are in a place of plenty with not a whole lot of worries? They multiply. That's just what happens. There's a reason we have things called Super Bowl babies. Um, And then verse 29, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And there's the last one, the blessing of, of the nations, the blessing of the world, the, um, the blessing of all the people of the earth from every language, color, race, culture, the blessing of them, every race. So when we bless someone, are we really blessing them? Can you imagine, like if you, if you sneezed and somebody says, may God bless you with land, descendants, and blessing from all those from the other nations. Uh, that would be kind of cool to hear, actually. Like, thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot. Um, so we see what the blessing is. It's actually a huge thing that has these three parts, land, descendants, and then a blessing of, of the nations. Um, but why is this the fulfilled life? Like, why are those three things categorized as the blessed life? Uh, what is it about land, descendants, and blessings, uh, blessing others that makes this life so fulfilling that we don't need anything else? Well, uh, that's where we get number two, the need for the blessing. So we see what the blessing is, but so far, like for us, it really doesn't sound all that appealing. It's like, okay, land, eh, descendants, eh. Um, 
But why, like in our story, why is it that Rebecca and Jacob lie and deceive and cheat their way to this blessing? Why is it that Isaac and Esau are so upset, trembling violently over the fact that the blessing went wrong? In this life, for these men and women, there was nothing if it was not given to them. There was no American dream. There was no entrepreneurship. There was no uh, picking yourself up by your bootstraps. The only way to a life of fulfillment was to have it given to you. So uh, what was given to them? Purpose. A call to something outside of themselves. A call to something bigger than themselves. It was the call to land, to descendants, and blessing. So let's just uh, walk through those three things really quickly. Uh, the first is land. For, for Abraham and Isaac, they were literally sojourners with no homeland, nothing whatsoever. Um, but this was the land that God had promised them. They're dwelling in it, kind of. They, they don't have like a piece of property yet until Abraham, uh, his wife Sarah dies, and then he's, he goes to the people of, of the town. And he's like, hey, can I buy this piece of land um, and so that I can bury my dead? And it happens. So they have the first piece of land. Um, but for you and I, it's not necessarily a piece of land um, like in the promised land of the Middle East, but it's the promised land of heaven. You and I, if we are in Christ Jesus, will get to see a new heaven and a new earth, and those will be our land. Think about it for a second. What's that even going to look like? That's going to be amazing. A redeemed and perfect earth and heavens. Like there are some beautiful starry nights. What's a perfect one look like? So uh, a blessed life means the fulfillment of having a land that will be ours. There is something about that that is a huge blessing from God. So then our question is, do you think about it? Do you think about the land that will one day be yours? Do you think about heaven? Second, uh, descendants. So anytime the Bible reads descendants or offspring or children, like it only sometimes means biologically most of the times it, it means those we pass on to everything spiritually. Um, so through discipleship. Uh, so a blessed life means having descendants like the stars. It means discipling those men and women we know and we love um, and that like we will be discipled as well. Um, and we just see this explosion because we disciple this guy, he disciples those three guys and then it just explodes into these starry night full of people and we're gonna get to spend eternity with them in that land. Um, so then the question, just like it keeps popping up, like who are you discipling? Who is discipling you? Because it's important. It is a, it's what we see in the text. That's part of the blessed life. That's part of the fulfilled life is having those descendants, those spiritual descendants. And then the third is blessing. Uh, closely linked to number two is that we'll be a blessing to the nations. Uh, you and I, part of being blessed, part of us being blessed is blessing others. And remember our definition. We aren't passing on material stuff to our descendants. It's a call from God. It's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than them. We're calling others into this land that will be perfect one day. It's a call to bless and it's a call to be saved. Going to our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members and our friends and saying, and listen, like I have been changed by this good news. I just want to tell you about it. I just talk to you? 
the fulfilled life, the blessed life means having that land that will one day be ours, having descendants that will one day be ours, and giving others outside of the faith the blessing of this faith. So then our question is, who are you intentionally seeking out to spend time with to share the gospel? The blessing that we give to our descendants, uh, like one way that the Bible puts it is the Great Commission, which is actually part of our missions, mission statement, mission, mission statement. Um, it's just go and make disciples of all the nations. Why? Because it's bigger than you and I. The gospel is about us. It saves us, but then it's not about us anymore. Then it's about everybody else who does not know it yet. Uh, really, the transition that we recently had to undergo as a church is one of the saddest things that has happened. Because I think, now I might be wrong, but I think that... Uh, during this time, we all had to focus on us. We had to focus on getting us better. We had to focus on all of the stuff internally. And I feel like we kind of lost a little bit of our mission about why we were even a church in the first place. So I'll just confess to you right now, over the past few months, I have not prayed for my neighbors. I have not prayed for my friends, my family members, those who do not know Christ that I know. Really, if I'm honest, it's that I don't care. And that's extremely sad. Six months ago, I would hear the, the rocks. We share a driveway with our neighbor, which is super frustrating. But um, I would hear the rocks on the driveway, and I'd know it was my neighbor. So I'd go to check the mail, you know, to, to maybe just catch a glimpse of him and talk to him for a few minutes. Uh, and then I, I had, like every morning when I read my Bible, I'd have these four names that I was praying for. They were actually all for my neighbors. Six months ago, I cared about the mission and the call that God has placed on my life and the life of, of the believers and the unbelievers. But because of all this stuff, I feel like I lost a passion for it and a passion for the very people the gospel is for. But I want that to change. I want to pray for them. I want to be for them. I want to ask them about their lives. I want to ask them over for dinner just to love them Maybe after a few times, after a few thousands of times, maybe, maybe I get to share the gospel with them. But in the meantime, I can be a light. What I see and what I've heard um, from other pastors who have reached out to me is that the enemy does this to churches to focus us inward and to, to take our focus away from our neighbors and our friends and our family um, that do not know Christ. And it just focuses on whether it's reconciliation or, or everything else going on, the, the internal structure of everything. Um, but all those, all those things are good. Like the, the building, everything we have going is good, but it's not for, it's, it means nothing ultimately if we do not remember this call from God. A great worship set with lights or no lights or a screen or speakers, they mean nothing if we do not care for our neighbors. A great sermon with great theology means nothing if we hold the gospel in for ourselves only. Sunday mornings at mission are to be, uh, like for all of us, to be built up and encouraged and sustained by the gospel and then to celebrate the gospel as we sing and as we take communion together. And then we go out the rest of our week with the gospel in mind, filled up so that we can give it away. That's why we meet together. That's why it's so important to meet together. It's not because we want attendance numbers. Because that's part of the mission. So uh, my question is, 
Can we as a church get back? Can we get back to our mission? To glorify God, to make disciples of all the nations. Can we pray for this to happen? Can we pray for God to break our hearts for our family and our friends that do not know Christ? It's gonna take some time, sure. But if I forget it, please remind me. And if you forget it, I'll remind you. Like that's what we're here for. That's the blessed life. That's the fulfilled life. It's uh, thinking of the land. It's thinking of our descendants. And it's thinking of the blessing that we can give to those who do not know Christ. That's the blessed life. That's the purpose of every believer in Jesus Christ. That's what he gives. That's the call. The call to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. They're all the call to us as well. That's the purpose for us. Uh, the reason why all of the characters in our passage are so worked up about this blessing is that they know, like they know that there is a fulfillment. They know that there is a purpose in that, in that blessing. So they're gonna make sure they can do everything they can to get to it. They just go about doing so in really wrong ways. Isaac thinks that if he can bless his favorite son, Esau, even though if we remember back in 25, Esau gives it up for a cup of soup. Um, he thinks if he can just give it to his son, then he will be fulfilled because it's his favorite son and he's gonna get to bless him. Rebecca thinks that if she can deceive her husband into giving it to her favorite son, uh, then she will be fulfilled. Esau thinks that if he can kill his brother, then he will be blessed. Jacob deceives and lies and then runs away in order to, that, that, that's what he thinks is gonna bless him. And all of these are terrible. Like there is a reason that the text fails to mention God appearing or showing up uh, or speaking in this whole chapter. It's because it's a sinful chapter. Yet we should see ourselves in this chapter. We are like Isaac and we know what God has called us to do. We know what God has called us not to do, but we press on in doing it and in not doing those things. We try to get the blessing by going beyond what God has called us to do. We are like Rebecca. And we love the approval of people too much. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe we seek the approval of everyone through our looks. Rebecca spent her life trying to win the affection of her son, which is idolatry in itself. But then he runs away and they never see each other again. If we could just have the affections of that person, then we could be fulfilled. We're like Esau. And we have our lives distorted by anger and we're controlled by it. We act, we speak, we think, and we react under this anger. And if we can just hurt that person who hurt us, then we'll be all right. We're like Jacob and we lie and we steal and we cheat our way into what we think is our blessing. If we just had that thing, even if it's a godly thing, then we would be fulfilled. If, if I just read more, if I just prayed more, if I just had more holiness from this specific sin, then I'd be fulfilled. Even that's idolatry. It's saying, I want Jesus for what he can do for me. And let's just think about Jacob for a minute. Like Jacob is small, insignificant. He, and really when it says that he's a smooth man, it just means that's another characteristic of him not being manly. Um, he couldn't get the blessing on his own. He knows that. He sees his dad look at Esau with love and his face lights up when he sees him. And then when he looks at Jacob, he's like, eh. Jacob knows that, so he dressed up as somebody else. He dressed up as somebody else. He became somebody else. And this is exactly what you and I do in all of our striving and searching to find our own blessing. 
This is exactly what I did in middle school. It's still actually what I do today. We don't let people see the flaws and weaknesses. Maybe we have a job that we hate. It's not what we want at all. We took it for the status. We took it so that we could make uh, enough money to, so that we could be blessed. We dressed up. Maybe in our relationships, if that person loved me, then I would be blessed. We just dress up for that. Literally. If I just had that, then I'd be blessed. Maybe we put forth an idea to our parents to, to maybe make them proud of us. We skip over the stuff that is negative so that they will look at us and say, man, I'm so proud of you. We dress up. We want the blessing, but we cannot get the blessing like this, so we dress up. But here's the thing. What we see in Genesis 27 is that it does not work. When Isaac blesses Jacob, Jacob got the look on his face. Jacob got the look on Isaac's face that he always wanted to have. He got the look of approval. He got the smile on his face when he said, my son, it's you. When he smells him and he says, it's you. Jacob sees it. But do you think that was enough for him? He knows deep down that that's not him. He knows deep down, I dressed up to get here. It's not me really that he loves. Deep down, we know, you and I, that we dressed up and we aren't really blessed. Because even if we got that thing, even if we got that person, that job, that thing that we always wanted, we know that we had to do some shady stuff to get there or we aren't really ourselves. So what's the solution? Because the story is nothing of a good example. The, the chapter 27 is no, nothing of a good example. So what's the way to the blessing? That actually brings us to our last point, uh, the way to the blessing. The truth of the matter is that you and I will dress up to get our blessing because that's just what we do as sinners. Our natural state, the natural state of our heart is away from God. And so everything we're gonna do is gonna find a blessing on our own and it's away from God. Um, it's, but, uh, so we try all, the, all of those things. But look at the grace of what the story does not tell us. It shows us that dressing ourselves does nothing, but it's not that we dress up to get the blessing. So there's that truth. We cannot dress up to get the blessing. How does it happen then? For you and I, how does this actually happen? Because we want the blessing. We want the purpose. We want the fulfillment. We want that thing the, to be blessed, to have descendants, to have that land, the new heaven and the new earth. We want that. How do we get it? It's that Jesus Christ dressed up like us. Jesus was cursed so that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we can be clothed like him. God now accepts me as though I have done everything that Christ has done because Jesus was treated as though he had done everything that I had done. Christ clothed himself as us that you and I may be blessed. He dressed up as us so that you and I may be dressed, so that you and I may be blessed. The truth of the matter is that we are not gorgeously dressed on our own. The truth of the matter is that we are low-life, sinful sons and daughters who need to dress up to be worthy. As our sinful state, we have nothing going for us. There is no other way, but we are like little children dressing ourselves with what we think will bring us that fulfillment, that blessing, and that's when Jesus steps in and says, it's not gonna work that way. I will dress you. 
let me dress you with the robes of my righteousness that when the Father looks at you, he will see me and I am perfect. Here, take my robes, take my blood, take my body. Jesus prays to God in John and says, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. What? When we are dressed as Jesus, we are loved as Jesus. And that is a perfect, undying, endless love. When Isaac says to Jacob, my son who is blessed of the Lord, like you can just hear the smile on his face, this is God to you and I. My son, blessed of the Lord. And when Rebecca says to Jacob, this is exactly what Jesus says to us, may the curse be on me my son. So when it comes to times where we feel a conviction to share the gospel, when we share that gospel blessing, I can guarantee you it's going to feel scary and nerve-wracking, and you're probably not going to want to do it. You'll probably won't do it. I, that's what I struggle with. I go like four or five times to see in the person, I'm like, I feel it, and it's like, I haven't done it yet. But the reason we go, the reason we share the gospel is because we have nothing left to lose or gain. We can be rejected. We can be turned down. We can be looked at as awkward or weird for sharing our faith because it doesn't matter. We have everything we already need in Christ. We are fully approved. We are fully loved. We are fully cared for. We are fully blessed and fulfilled by Jesus Christ, by him dressing up as us and giving us his clothes. The true blessing is Jesus himself. That's the blessed life. It's in Christ. The blessed life, the fulfilled life is through faith in Jesus Christ, through proclaiming, Jesus, I need to be clothed by you because I am nothing but filthy rags on my own. I need you and I trust you and I believe in you and your work on the cross on my behalf to take my filthy rags as your own and to give me your robes of perfection as my own. How do we get it? By faith. There is no other way. And one day, you and I are gonna be in that land. The land that will be ours. With all of our descendants, with all of those who blessed us, uh, all of those whom we bless in a perfect land with perfect mountains, perfect stars, perfect roads. What's that even going to look like? And we will sit at the table with the perfect man who made it all possible. We will dwell with him forever, praise him forever, love him forever, and be loved by him forever. We disciple all the nations because we want all the nations there for that. So as a picture of that day, we're going to take communion together. Um, and here's the thing. If you have been dressed up by Jesus through faith in him, then you're welcome to the table as part of the family. If, however, you are in unrepentant sin or if you are not yet a believer, I ask that you remain in your seat on the basis of God's word that says you would eat and drink in an unworthy manner. But if you're in unrepentant sin, turn again today to belief in the gospel and remember the bigness of your God and the bigness of the call that he has brought you to in Christ. If you're not yet a believer, believe today. Believe today that Jesus has done this work for you, that Jesus has dressed you. There is a striving and a toil and a work that comes with trying to dress yourself. And even all of that work will mean nothing because it's not good enough. 
You do not have to dress up yourself any longer. If you're struggling and you're not sure and you're questioning, just be encouraged. Dead people do not question. Dead people do not struggle. Lean into that. Press into that. For all of us, uh, here is our prayer. Father, we confess that we need this body and this blood to cover us in our sins. And we thank you for clothing us in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, when you're ready, grab the elements and bring them back to your seat, but take your time. You can pray, you can wait, you can do whatever you'd like during this time. Um, but we'll, we'll wait together, we'll pray together, and then we'll take them all together here in a minute. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This is the truth for all of us who are in Jesus Christ. We have been covered in Jesus' robes of righteousness and covered by them, all because of the work that Jesus did to substitute that work on the cross. All because, truly, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all of the glory and the honor of such a blessed life, of such a fulfilled and, and purposeful life as this that, that we can be a part of because of Jesus. Like the, the land, the descendants, the, the blessing to others, they, they, we aren't, we could not do any of them if it was not for being dressed by Jesus. God, we thank you for that work. Because in our sin, God, we feel the weight of those filthy rags. Would you remind us this week that we have been clothed by you, that we won't be striving for anything outside of this call and this purpose. Remind us constantly of the land that you're going to show us. Remind us constantly of the offspring and the, the descendants that you're going to show us. Remind us constantly of, of the call and the purpose in blessing others, God. And as we go about this the rest of our week until next Sunday, God, would you, uh, would you put it on our hearts? Would you break our hearts for those who do not know you? Would you bring us as a church back to what you have called us to in the very beginning? Offer your glory for more people seeing and savoring the work of Christ as their own. God, would you do it? It is a work that 
obviously and clearly only you can do, but it is a work that you do. 